Hello, and welcome to another edition of the And You Shall Know That I Am Yahweh, an Ezekiel podcast. Ezekiel establishes in Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of Yahweh was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of Yahweh and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord Yahweh, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says the Lord Yahweh to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and ye will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am Yahweh. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am Yahweh when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am Yahweh. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares Yahweh. So Ezekiel Again, continues right in with this whole section. It's around 585, as we can tell. It's all together. We do not have a time marker again until uh, Ezekiel chapter uh, 40. Uh, and we haven't had one since chapter uh, 33, 34. So now he has been brought out by the hand of Yahweh upon the valley. Probably the same valley we started with in the first chapter. And he sees it full of bones. And not just bones dry bones uh, as bones this would be an unclean environment for Ezekiel who is a priest um, but he is told to walk in the midst of these bones the fact that they're dry means that they have been there for a very long time uh, all the moisture has been uh, desiccated from them and there's no hope in them on their own and so Ezekiel is asked can these bones live and if you ever happen to find yourself a dragged by the hand of Yahweh to a place, and asked a question in the spirit. Let me commend to you Ezekiel's answer. Uh, oh, Lord Yahweh, you know. Does this mean that Ezekiel is saying, yes, we, we, I am a firm believer that you are the God of the living and the dead and can bring back these bones to life? Is this a, uh, I have no idea, but you do? We can't know. Ezekiel's covered it well. Uh, and Ezekiel is in a good, humble position and is not going to be humiliated by acting like, well, uh, giving some kind of answer he's letting God work through here and so he's told to prophesy over the bones and that when he prophesies over the bones they're going to come back bones and sinews and flesh uh, which is a very accurate way of looking at it uh, we have to remember Ezekiel was trained as a priest in Jerusalem for 25 years he would have seen animals and how they are put together 
and has some understanding of anatomy, which is manifest here. But what's really important here is that it's not that God is just going to speak to them himself uh, or that God's not going to, to put them together manually himself. So this is a reinforcement that, that uh, life comes from the word of Yahweh. But the life that's coming from the word of Yahweh here is mediated through the prophet. This is a very important premise for all that we have seen, uh, that when Yahweh speaks through Ezekiel, it is providing a word of life, or a word of condemnation, perhaps. But it is life because it is the message that comes from the life-giving creator. And this is kind of parallel to, of course, in Genesis, where God speaks and things are created. And here now, even when the word of Yahweh comes to this intermediary, it still gives life. And the word of God, communicated through people, still can give life. So Ezekiel prophesied the way he was commanded, and as he prophesied, these creature, you know, these bones come together, uh, sinews come upon them, all the muscles, and then the flesh. And so now you've got this standing army, but they're all dead. They don't have any spirit in them. There's no breath in them. And there's that breath-spirit thing going on uh, with Ruach uh, in, in the text here. And so now the, the breath is to come from the four winds. Uh, just like in Genesis 2 where God breathed into the man the breath of life and he became a living being. But here it's from the four winds because this is Israel. This isn't just any random guy. And Israel has been scattered among the nations. And so now the winds are summoned to be gathered back. This, the, the, this breath of life, the spirit of life of the people are to be gathered back to enter the people again. And therefore the breath comes into them. They live and they stand their feet. It's a great army. And so uh, the what Ezekiel has now seen is explained. That the bones are the whole house of Israel. And... Uh, we, we get another view of what they're saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. And notice here that God doesn't argue with them that their way of looking at the situation is entirely wrong. Uh, he doesn't deny their bones are dried up. Their bones are dried up. They're dry bones all in the valley. Um... We have mentioned that the first half of Ezekiel, more than the first half, most of the from Ezekiel 1 through 33, uh, the core message has been this word of exhortation to Israel, that they're in this house in rebellion, that they need to change their ways, uh, or doom would come upon them. And of course now doom has come upon them. And so Israel proved faithless because they put their naive trust that God was going to bail them out no matter what they were doing, when in fact he had decreed judgment against them, and that's how they proved rebellious and obstinate. And now they're being rebellious and obstinate for the ex other reason, that where they had this naive confidence that in, in what, what they thought God was going to do. Now that they are in exile, they are losing hope. And it's an understandable, because when you look at the situation on the ground, there is no reason to have hope. Uh, as we've mentioned, we're going to say again, in 585, no nation has been returned to its land. There is no hope or prospect in the future for any nation to return from its land. What Cyrus will do in 539, uh, which is nowhere in view right now, it's over 40 years away, and when you're out in exile, 40 years is a very long time. Uh, is, and even then, when it happens, it will be extraordinary. Uh, a complete departure from what had been done before. So, the idea that they're going to be returned to their land is, is, seems to be a pipe dream. But it's what the prophet is faithfully telling them. And again, now, uh, the great trial that Israel is going to go through is to how to maintain hope and trust in Yahweh when on the ground there is no reason for it. 
And, and, and I think even God would grant the conceit. If it weren't for the fact that Yahweh is their God, they would be have their hope lost, and they are cut off. Uh, and those who maintain that confidence, by the way, that our hope is lost, we're cut off, they're going to no longer follow Yahweh. They're going to be like Israel. They're just going to assimilate into the nations around them. And so that's where there's this message of hope. And the message of hope is a resurrection. And we have to be very careful about this because early Christians got excited about this. Everybody gets excited about this. Here, Ezekiel sees a resurrection. And, and yes, there is a resurrection here. But the resurrection here is a metaphor for Israel and Israel's return. It is powerful. Again, remember, God is the God of the living, and God brings back to life what is dead. There, that, there's, there, it, it's resonating. It, it's a powerful part of this Jesus story, but it can't just be a simple, well, he sees, Ezekiel sees resurrection, because this is a figure of a resurrection. It's a metaphor. It's it's trying to communicate that God is going to resurrect the hope of Israel and Israel will be restored to its land. Uh, anybody who is expecting Israelites who died to be brought back to life and brought back to Israel uh, would be sorely disappointed. And of course, the fullness of what is being prophesied here, where that life would come in, of course, is manifest in Jesus' resurrection in the kingdom uh, that he has established, where now God pours out his spirit on, on his people. And... Um, and they are spiritually regenerated in Christ, uh, looking forward, of course, to the day, ultimate day of resurrection. Ezekiel continues, The word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, take a stick and write on it, for Judah and the people of Israel associated with him. And then take another stick and write on it, for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him. And join them one to another into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. And when your people say to you, Will you not tell us what you mean by these? Say to them, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I am about to take the stick of Joseph that is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will join it with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, that they may be one in my hand. When the sticks on which you write are in your hand before their eyes, then say to them, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, Behold, I will take the people of Israel from the nations among which they have gone, and will gather them from all around, and bring them to their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king over them all, and they shall no longer be two nations, and no longer divided into two kingdoms. They shall not defile themselves any more with their idols and their detestable things, or with their transgressions. But I will save them from all the backslidings in which they have sinned, and I will cleanse them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall walk in my rules and be careful to obey my statutes. They shall dwell in the land that I gave to my servant Jacob, where your fathers lived. They and their children, their children's children, shall dwell there forever, and David my servant shall be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am Yahweh who sanctifies Israel, when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. This is all picking up on a minor theme in the previous image that is now maximalized. When God told Ezekiel, these bones are the whole house of Israel. 
now we're going to make this explicit. And so Ezekiel is told to take a stick. A uh, stick is possible, um, or a piece of wood. Uh, it is pretty persuasively argued that what is in mind is kind of a tablet thing that's a wax tablet with kind of two sides, and so that you would be able to put them together uh, to create a, from two into one. And so one is, is Judah and the house of Israel associated with him. Uh, the uh, ten tribes division thing was never as clean cut as is was kind of portrayed. Um, Simeon had always been within Judah, according to tribal allotments, and when the land was divided, there was, of course, Bar- Benjamin with uh, Judah, and also uh, the Levites that were living in the lands of Bethlehem and, of Benjamin and Judah. And by that point, any of the anybody who had fled from other tribes to live in that land. And then, of course, there is uh, Joseph and Ephraim uh, and all Israel associated with him and that they would be brought together into one stick. That God here is promising that there was going to be an ingathering not just of Judites, but also the Israelites from the northern kingdom. This is the exact same message that is given in Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, we, we hear about the new covenant, of course, that God is going to make with, with Israel and with Judah in the latter days. Uh, but the rest of that passage is all this message of hope that God was going to bring back uh, the Israelites, that God yearned for Ephraim again. And then when he would take them all, he would bring them all back here in Ezekiel. Uh, the, the kingdom of Israel has been, you know, Absent from much of it, but not totally. And, and honestly, this message doesn't come out of nowhere. Uh, when we saw previously, when we looked at uh, Aholaba, Ahola and Aholaba, uh, Ahola being Samaria, there was hope for her to be restored. Uh, when we had uh, sisters Sodom and Samaria uh, to Jerusalem, there was hope for redemption for Samaria and for Sodom as well as Jerusalem. And so this is not coming out of nowhere. Uh, but there's this expectation there are not going to be two kingdoms anymore. There's going to be one king and he's going to be david he's going to be that descendant of david who would be king over his people and they would uh have a covenant of peace it would be an everlasting covenant uh, and we've got these uh covenant renewal terms my i'll dwell with them uh they'll be my people i'll be their god the nations will know i sanctify israel because my sanctuary will be in their midst forevermore and we'll get into the christological implications of that in a minute um but of course, to see the fact that the, the two kingdoms thing had been the 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 story most of the time, um, and in scholarly uh, circles, there are arguments and conversations about. And of course, there's there's a denial of the United Kingdom, and wondering if the history is all fictive to try to create a coherence where there was none. Uh, that there had always kind of been these two divisions, this Judah Israelite division, that were never really just Israel. Uh, but Ezekiel here sees that, there, that whatever divisions have happened uh, are are going to be eliminated, that they're going to be all together again. Um, and of course, the, the historical challenge with this is that in, in looking even at a partial fulfillment in terms of uh, what happens when Cyrus makes his decree is that we have a whole flood of people coming back from uh, exile from Babylon among from the Judites. But we don't have any evidence of any kind of parallel Israelite return. 
that does not preclude that there might not have been a few Israelites who had maintained the ancient faith and who came back. Um, evidence from Elephantine in Egypt, uh, where you have a temple to Yahweh from um, Israelites who had been exiled there, uh, seem to be there more from Bethel than they are from Judah, uh, from some of the things that are said in the papyri. And so there's some uh, being saved there. Uh, we know that there are some from some of the tribes who are preserved. Uh, in Luke chapter 2, uh, Anna is from the tribe of Asher. And so we can imagine that at some point, either during the king's period, uh, you would have some families from each tribe, uh, not a significant number, but enough to preserve lineage, uh, maybe go south because of all the idolatry going on in the north. Uh, maybe some of them escape um, before the exile to Assyria. Maybe some come from the exile to, from Assyria, but it's not a large number historically. And this is set off, of course, the whole thing about the lost tribes of Israel uh, that has uh, led to speculation that they became Europeans, they became British, they were Native Americans, uh, they're a group of people yet to be found, uh, they're, they're in the center of the earth, they're on an alien planet. I mean, there's all kinds of, of crazy speculation, all trying to get away from the much more awkward reality that Israel went into exile, assimilated the local Syrian populations, and for all intents purposes just became part of the pagan littoral in the land of Assyria. And so why is this such an important thing here for Ezekiel? Well, um, we got to remember for the exiles, their, their understanding of exile is what happened to Israel. So what hope does Judah have? What happened to the Israelites? Well, they went over here and they just became part of the land. They just they just assimilated. They just get that they're no longer Yahweh serving people. Maybe there's a few individuals who are doing that. Again, maybe all this is, is completely baseless because there's things they knew that we don't. Uh, but that's from all the evidence we can find what happened. And so now they're in exile in Babylon. And so what are they looking forward to? They're looking forward to uh, the same type of fate. And the question is, well, why would God preserve one group and not the other group? It wasn't God has forsaken them? Remember, they've been in exile for a hundred and forty years longer, uh, almost. They'd already been in exile since seven twenty-two, and it's five eighty-five. It's already been a long time. Uh, God hasn't brought them back. We, therefore, are hopeless. We are cut off. Therefore, uh, part of the reason why that hope is extended to the northern kingdom is to uh, show uh, Judah that God will prove faithful and will bring everybody back in. Uh, what's the ultimate fulfillment? The ultimate fulfillment is in Christ, who is the servant David, who is king over Israel, when all Israel is gathered from the four winds and reconstituted around Jesus. Uh, Jesus... Um, uh, that God maintains the sanctuary in the midst of his people. Jesus is this God in the flesh. When he dies uh, and is raised, uh, he pours out the Spirit of God, which is God uh, in the midst of people, uh, is now present in his people, and uh, collectively and individually as the church. And so the nations now know God has sanctified his people because his presence is among them. And uh, we have every reason to believe that as the gospel went out to places like Syria and Egypt and other places, those who had been the an whose an whose ancestors had been of Israel uh, heard the gospel and many uh, believed and were ingathered to uh, God and to his people. Um, also, of course, plenty of people with this pagan background uh, would believe as well. Uh, 
And so all of these powerful pa pictures will have a sense of a fulfillment in, in the return from exile, but full, waiting for their full fullness there uh, when they are uh, manifest in Christ that we share in today. Well, we again thank you for your participation, and we look forward to uh, continuing on with you uh, in the future with Ezekiel 38 and following. Have a great day. Thank you.